Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 21. And we're going to read um, up to verse 35. Matthew 18, beginning at verse 21. This is Jesus teaching. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, this is Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he, began to, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told, everything, told their master everything that had happened. <clears throat> then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he paid back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now you guys will remember from last week that um, I mentioned Matthew chapter 18 actually begins with a, questions, with a question that the disciples asked of Jesus. They had been talking about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so ever since the disciples asked that question, Jesus had been teaching them about how they should relate to their brothers and sisters in Christ, how they should relate to other people. And it's all about how they should not be stumbling blocks to the children of God. The way that we treat each other should be something that, that works toward reconciliation and that points toward God. And so greatness in the kingdom is achieved by relating to one another with a posture of humility. 
It means uh, caring about each other um, spiritually. It, it, means, it means seeing our brothers and sisters in Christ who are maybe on the wrong path as, as wandering or lost sheep. And we are called in this context to, to care even for those who have offended us in some way. Our parable this morning, first and foremost, points to the staggering cost of God's forgiveness of us in comparison to the, the comparatively small cost of forgiveness that, that we must bear when we are sinned against by other people. So as Jesus begins the discussion, Peter seems to be tracking pretty well. He's, he's following along with what Jesus is teaching the disciples, and it occurs to him at one point just how difficult what Jesus is calling them to do is with regard to treating one another in such a way that, that we are ready to forgive, ready to be generous, ready to, to just show grace. And so this occurs to Peter that, that what Jesus is telling them is extremely hard, and he wants a little bit of clarification. Because what Jesus is asking them to do here is to, to forgive those who have wronged them. He's even, taking the, uh, he's even teaching them that they are the ones that need to take the initiative to look out for their best interests, those who have uh, sinned. We are to look out for our wayward brothers and sisters' best intentions. And so, so Peter asks Jesus um, a, a logical question, a question that would probably occur to any of us. So how many times exactly should we do this? Because we all know how it is, right? We all have at least one or two people in our lives that burn us again and again, and again, and again. And every time we swallow our pride, every time we say, you know what, I'm gonna be the bigger person, I'm gonna offer forgiveness, um, you know, every time that person will sin against us again. And so Peter is curious, like how long does this pattern go on? How many times do I have to do this? And he says, would I have to do this, for instance, up to seven times? And I'm guessing, and maybe you would agree with me, maybe you wouldn't, but, but knowing uh, how Peter is presented in the Gospels, Peter probably thinks that, that by saying this, Jesus is gonna be pretty impressed by his, um, by his generous spirit here. That Jesus would commend him for being such a gracious soul as to offer forgiveness to someone up to seven times. Up to seven times, that's a lot of times. But Jesus surprises us. Because in this passage, Jesus teaches us that our willingness and readiness to forgive should be unlimited. There are no limits put upon a Christian's willingness to forgive. That is a daunting teaching, you guys. That is a daunting teaching. 
And so when Peter says, hey, should I forgive up to seven times, expecting this pat on the back in response, instead Jesus says, you ought to forgive someone 70 times seven times, which, which figuratively means, Peter, you know, don't even count. Don't get caught up in the numbers. This is who I have called you to be. This is who I've called you to be. It is a person of perpetual forgiveness. When someone comes to you and asks for forgiveness, you be ready and willing to extend it, not just seven times, not seven times a day, not seven times a week. You be ready and willing to extend it. You must cultivate a heart that puts no limits on its readiness to forgive. In other words, Jesus is telling Peter and us, he says, your heart needs to be transformed. Your heart needs to be transformed into a generous and forgiving heart. And the way that your heart is to be transformed is by remembering, by the realization of how much God has forgiven you. Now, Remember from last week that the whole context, or at least the primary context of this discussion is how we treat each other within the family of God. And so this is first and foremost how we are to relate to brothers and sisters in Christ. And so if we kind of bump that out and extend it too far, we're gonna get a little bit confused on what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is not saying that we should, should stop punishing crime in every way or fashion. He's not, he's not saying that we should overlook and pardon those who, who break the laws of our society and the laws of our community. Jesus is talking about relationships here. He's talking about relationships especially between brothers and sisters in Christ within the context of God's family. But you know, that in itself should raise a question for us. It raised a question immediately for me this week because forgiveness, just like the larger issue of broken relationships, is a two-way street, isn't it? Forgiveness is a two-way street, just as one person by himself cannot get into a fight unless he's some kind of a schizophrenic, so too one person by himself cannot accomplish comprehensive reconciliation. It takes two to have a fight, and it takes two to achieve any kind of reconciliation. And so we must ask the question, what does it mean to forgive when the person that we are extending forgiveness to doesn't think they need to be forgiven. Or, flip it around, what does it mean to ask forgiveness and to be repentant towards someone who is not ready or willing to give us that forgiveness? Yeah. What does it mean to forgive? What if the other person is not repentant? What if the other person is not ready to extend forgiveness? Well, Jesus is actually ready for us there because specifically what he is talking about in this passage is an attitude or a posture 
of forgiveness. John Calvin suggests that there are two kinds of forgiveness. There is a willingness to forgive, and there is forgiveness of a repentant person that actually restores a relationship. Those are two different things. There may be times when God calls upon you to have a merciful and forgiving heart towards someone who is not yet repentant. God may call on you to be ready to forgive that person in case they become repentant and to accept the fact that they have not yet gotten to that point of seeing their sin. In a case like that, you cannot reconcile and restore a relationship on your own because the other party doesn't feel like there needs to be any reconciliation because they don't believe that they have committed any offense against you. That said, in those situations, you can prepare yourself to forgive. You can cultivate a heart that is always ready to offer and to extend forgiveness. What Jesus is saying is that our hearts need to be perpetually open and ready for reconciliation in a relationship so that when a brother or sister is ready to cooperate, it can happen and we're not caught off guard and actually act as a stumbling block to that reconciliation. But so often, and I know from experience, you guys, so often it's the other way around. We want forgiveness extended immediately to us immediately to us when we've done something wrong. In fact, we get to the point where we almost have that as an expectation. That's our right to be forgiven by someone when we do something wrong. But then when it's us who have been deeply hurt, we can be very stubborn in extending the same kind of mercy that we want for ourselves, that we expect as a right. And so this is hard stuff that Jesus is teaching. This is hard stuff that Peter is asking, and Jesus knows it. That's why he asked the question in the first place, because Peter knows that this is gonna hurt. This is gonna cost him something. And of course, Jesus knows better than anybody that it costs something, doesn't he? And yet, even though it costs something, Jesus lays down the rule that we are to be ready to forgive indefinitely. He tells the disciples this parable, which is, at its heart, a story about the spirit of forgiveness. It's a reminder of just what enables and empowers us to forgive other people. And that, brothers and sisters, if we forget it, we're a lost cause. We're a lost cause. If we forget what the foundation, what the grounds for our forgiveness of each other is, then we are a lost cause. We'll talk about that, but this is very serious stuff because conversely, this parable, especially at the end, is a warning against a stingy, unmerciful, and unforgiving spirit. In this parable, Jesus teaches that it is our realization of what God has forgiven us that enables us to forgive other people. 
Sometimes a friend feels as though he sinned against you and he comes and confesses it and says, you know, I'm so sorry that I've done such and such. And, and the fact is you never really thought about it. And in those circumstances, we're quick to say, hey, no worries, I thought nothing of it. I appreciate you bringing this to my attention, but you, know, you don't have to feel guilty and you don't have to feel bad about it. I wasn't wounded by it at all, but I do appreciate your attitude in coming and talk to me. There are other times when, when we are deeply wounded by what someone has done, and, and even when they do come to us and say, hey, I repent, I know I blew it, please forgive me, sometimes our hurt is so great that we're not ready to do it. Yeah, in those times and in those circumstances, what allows us to extend and offer forgiveness is what God has forgiven us. So let's look at the parable for just a minute. A king once had a servant, someone who probably had bureaucratic responsibility in the kingdom, was perhaps a person that had access to a good amount of the king's wealth in the kingdom, and, and he had some measure of responsibility for administering that wealth. And for whatever reason, he made some bad investments and he got himself into some pretty serious financial trouble. In fact, not only is he broke, but he is, in the language of verse 24, 10,000 talents in debt to his king. Now, as I was reading commentators and trying to figure out how much this is, one commentator suggested, and it's just a very easy number to comprehend and understand, one commentator suggested that the servant is about $10 million in debt. In other words, he could never, ever even hope to repay this debt. And Jesus sets the amount at, at that to illustrate the point that, that it cannot possibly be repaid. That is why the king is forced to say, you know, because of this unpayable debt, you and your wife and your children are going to have to be sold into slavery be sold into, this, into slavery for this grave injustice that you've done to me and in defrauding me this amount of money. And in response, like I would do if I was in the same position, the servant pleads with the king not to treat him and his family so harshly. And, you know, the king, bless his heart, doesn't even really take much time to think about it. This king who was ready to send this man and his family away into slavery extends mercy to his servant and forgives the debt. I mean, this is huge. And we would fully expect, because we're talking about somebody else, we would expect that an act so gracious would change this servant's heart. What does he do? He goes immediately out, he finds one of his own debtors, confronts him, Scripture says he even chokes him. And this guy only owes him 100 denarii. He demands that this guy pay it back. Now, 100 denarii, that was a substantial amount of money for a day laborer. It would have taken about four months to earn that kind of money in Jesus' time. And so to pay that back, the, the day laborer, <coughs> you know, would have had to save for probably two or three years. But 
you know, that's not really the point. The servant that's coming and confronting his brother had just been completely resolved, completely absolved of this unrepayable debt, this $10 million. And so it's hard for us to imagine how you'd be so cold and unmerciful with his friend in light of what he had just been forgiven. But Jesus has an explanation. Jesus has an explanation for this. Jesus tells us that the man didn't realize what he had deserved, and therefore he didn't realize what a great gift the king had given him. I mean, this guy deserved to be sold into slavery. He he deserved to be punished to the extreme extent. He deserved condemnation. Instead, he received mercy. But having received such great mercy, he doesn't go out and extend that same kind of mercy. He just didn't get it. And I hope you're seeing this, that Jesus tells this parable to uh, kind of paint a picture of what it is and to what extent that we owe God. It's a picture of what we have received from God, this amazing act of mercy and forgiveness that that really the penalty for it should have been eternal death and condemnation and separation from God. So the parable tells us the great gift, the significant act of forgiveness that we've received, and then it says, hey, Having been a recipient of this amazing gift, you are called to be changed by it and to treat others in the same way. Because the sins that other people commit against us can't even come close, can't even compare to the sins that we have committed against our God. That's Jesus' point. So Peter, how often... Ought we to forgive? Peter, let me remind you of something. Let me ask you something. How much are you in debt to God? How much do you owe God? How much do you deserve according to God's perfect justice? Peter, in light of that, and in light of the mercy that you have received from God, how then will you love others? Will you love others in a stingy and closed-handed way? Or will you love them in a generous, open-handed, extravagant way, uh, the way that God the Father has loved you? You Prompted by gratitude, the forgiven sinner should, should desire to extend that kind of forgiveness to those who have wronged him should desire to do all in his power to to work toward the reconciliation, the same kind of reconciliation that God has worked for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus says, Peter, I don't care how deep the wound is. The wound cannot compare to the forgiveness which God has freely given you. He's not saying that forgiveness is easy, but he is saying if you will remember how much you owed and how much God paid to forgive you, you will find the resources and you will find the resources at the ready to be able to bear the cost of forgiveness toward others because that true forgiveness, though it costs something to you, is completely covered 
by the forgiveness that we have received from God. And so I want you to think just for a moment as we start to close up about the hurts and the wounds and the baggage that you bring into this sanctuary with you here today. Fractured family relationships, maybe business deals that went wrong, people who have disappointed you greatly. To think about those things. Think about the people that you are at enmity with, people that you have tension with. Yes, you are going to bear a significant cost to forgive in those hurtful circumstances. But now, I want you to hear Jesus' words of encouragement and his words of reason, because this makes perfect sense. Think about how much you owed God the Father and how much he has forgiven you for. Can you forgive those people in light of that? Can you forgive those people in light of that? Which brings us to the last thing that Jesus teaches here, and it's a warning to us. It's a warning that's similar to other warnings that Jesus gives in the Gospels. He teaches here that a heart of mercy is an essential mark of saving grace. In other words, a merciful heart is a natural consequence in the life of a person who has experienced God's mercy and forgiveness. Responding to the incarceration and torture of the unmerciful servant, Jesus says, my heavenly father will do the same to you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now be careful to understand Jesus' point. Jesus' point is not that we earn God's forgiveness by forgiving others. Jesus' point is not that we merit God's forgiveness by forgiving others. Jesus' point is this. When you have received in your heart the grace of God and you have been forgiven of all your sins and justified by God's grace, it cannot help but transform your heart to be merciful toward those who have offended you. Just as the Father forgave you in your great offense, you are then enabled to forgive others' offenses against you. It's actually one of the first signs that we see in a heart transformed by God's grace. It's capacity, it's willingness, and it's desire to extend forgiveness. When I recognize the greatness of my sin, I can better recognize the greatness of my Savior, and it leads me to be generous in forgiveness. But that said, Jesus warns that those who do not display a forgiving heart are like this servant. They don't recognize, they don't realize, they don't acknowledge the cost borne by their king for their forgiveness. I don't want to be in that camp. I don't want to ignore what it cost God 
to extend me salvation and forgiveness. Now, all of us have tremendous challenges and obstacles in this area of forgiveness. Perhaps there's a particular family breach that you're wrestling with. Perhaps there's tension in your community or your work. Perhaps there's difficulty between parents and children, husbands and wives. Perhaps there's even a breach in a relationship that you have with someone in this congregation. I wanna challenge you this morning in the light of Jesus' words to ever be the initiator in reconciliation. Even when it's not a two-way street yet, I want you to be ready and willing to forgive. That's just where I want your hearts to be. It's where I want my heart to be. And in those situations where you're called to love someone who does not respond to your attempts at reconciliation, I pray that God will give you a willing spirit to forgive nonetheless so that you will not become a stumbling block to that reconciliation. And never forget the mercy that has been extended to you in and through Jesus Christ. Let it encourage and prepare us always to forgive and to show Christian mercy to our brothers and sisters who have wounded us. Let's do this not just for our good, but for the glory of God and his light shining in this world. Such is the way of things in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Let's pray.